Hello, welcome to the Go Home Podcast. We are your hosts, Mary and Michael Leppard. We have been in the homeschooling world for over 25 years. We authored the Homeschooling Almanac and the Homeschooling Book of Lists. We produced 14 homeschool conventions over the years with speakers such as John Taylor Gatto and David and Mickey Colfax. Our publication, The Link Homeschool Newspaper, brought together all religions and all styles of homeschooling. We began with the idea that all religions and all styles of homeschooling have something to learn from each other. We are producing the Go Home podcast with the same sentiment. The Go Home podcast will focus on all things home. Homeschooling, homeworking, home living, and why Americans are going back to their homes. Welcome to the Go Home podcast. Homeschoolers, learn sign language. Alternative subjects are the future. Signing Online offers beginner to advanced web-based courses in American Sign Language at your pace from anywhere with internet access. These courses focus on conversational sign language using videos to demonstrate signing's visual nature and increase learning. Sign language is becoming more useful for any situation that requires silent communication. Visit www.signingonline.com for complete information. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Go Home Podcast. Today, I'm super excited because I have Danny Kessler on the show. He is a friend. He is a gardener, a macrobatic counselor, and and a father, and an amazing cook and a vegan. So he loves food. He loves food that comes from the ground. And he's super excited about sharing his knowledge about gardening and how it can segue into your home as an educational tool, a fun tool, and a spiritual tool. So welcome to the show, and I hope you enjoy this episode. I'd like to welcome Danny Kessler to the show today, and uh, welcome, Danny. Hi, hi. (laughs) Thanks for agreeing to do the show, and I'm super excited to talk about gardening. It's one of my favorite topics, and I think during this time of people being forced to be home, gardening is really a great thing that people can do. And it certainly is one of the things I remember about raising my son when we were homeschooling and at home. So I'm super excited. So first of all, tell us about your garden. I know you have a fabulous garden. So, um, Yeah, you know what? I, I, um, I'm retired now, mm-hmm. so I have more time. So I'm at home and I have more time. Uh, to um, commit to it. And I happen, I'm lucky enough, or I chose, you know, a house with a big enough backyard so that the garden's been able to expand over the years and grow, you know, as much as need be. Um, So it's big enough that, um, yeah, that it's, you know, it's definitely fits my needs. I'm not feeding, you know, 10 people or even five people. So it's (laughs) just for me. So that part makes it, uh, makes it easy and I can experiment and it's been really a great, it's been a great opportunity to learn and also to uh, to feed myself. It's just so healthy and so natural. Well, you know, I've seen your garden and I think it's just amazing. And I one of the things I that comes to my mind is number one, can you feed yourself on just everything that you grow? And I and because I know it goes up on like little hills, how did you start it? So um can you tell us about um, that? Yeah, so there are definitely, the the backyard is definitely sort of sloped, and I started building those raised beds way up at the top, and yes, lugging all of the, uh, there's many wheelbarrows full of, of uh, potting soil and, and amendment and all the rest of it to get all that up there. Once it's up there, it's pretty easy to add compost to it and fertilizer to keep it, mm-hmm. keep it going. And- but yeah, with a lot of labor, now I'm doing more and more down lower, um, where it's also sunny, so it's kind of expanded. Oh, that's great! And I, I know you have some fruit trees too, don't you? Yeah, the fruit trees are doing doing good. You know, the garden is a great opportunity to have success and failure. You know, to to look at at patience and uh, some self compassion. Some right. things wouldn't work, and some don't. Right now, I'm sitting in kind of my main one of my rooms, I'm looking out at the garden mm-hmm. and I'm looking at some, um, so this is new. I don't think we talked about this, but I'm growing cotton. Oh, so oh I think you told I me tried, you were going to do that. Yeah. Wow. So I'm, tr- 
<laughs> I know, and it's to, but it, honestly, maybe it was the winter. I don't know why. I've tried. I got some cotton seed, and I've tried three times to, to even just sprout, you know, just to germinate a cotton seed. And I couldn't, couldn't, couldn't. But I thought, well, I'll try one more time. And now I'm having some success. So um, I think it's pretty fun to be That's able to you know, grow, grow some cotton. Why not, so, right? so wait, so you're having success with the cotton? So you actually have grown? Finally, yes. Yeah, oh. yeah. So I, I have. I don't have cotton balls yet. Mm-hmm. Bowls, they call them. Mm-hmm. But and I have. Um, but I have this, some some sturdy plants. Now it might be too late. I'll have to see. But I'm trying. So we'll see what happens. Oh, that's amazing! And so, what will you? Are you doing it just as an experiment, or will you use the mm-hmm. cotton? No, it's. I think I don't. I don't think I have enough. I'll I'll grow enough to actually do anything with it. But I'll be like. No, just as an experiment, just to see if I can do it. Well, you're very gutsy. When I said I could call you a master gardener, you're a gutsy gardener, and that's what you are. (laughs) Well, I'm willing to. I've had enough. This is, you know, just my own personal thing. I've had enough success to sort of supplement me through the failures. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So if you have only failure, then, yeah, you get discouraged, and you feel like, oh, what's the point? Well, but I've had enough success so that I feel like, well, I'll try some things. If they don't work, they don't work. And so you can kind of go with the flow. Well, that, well, one, I wanted to talk about, you know, why families should grow gardens and what the um, educational aspect of it is. But since you already brought up patience and perseverance, let's just talk about sort of like the spiritual aspects of gardening and how it could be really good for a family. Because Talk a little bit about patience, because I know you have to have patience to be a gardener. Yeah, you do. And again, depending upon the age of whoever is, you know, in, if a little kid has less patience or maybe somebody older has more patience. But yeah, you know, certain vegetables will grow more quickly mm-hmm. and they're you know, really helpful um, to have some sort of immediate, you know, faster success. Radishes are really easy to grow. Lettuce uh, can grow quickly. It mm-hmm. depends on where you are. Of course, this is all very seasonally um, dependent. Right. We're, but, we're lucky uh, to have so many gardening days in, in California. Yeah, yeah, we're really lucky here. But I mean, here it is like August. So this is sort of the end of summer. And if you are, you know, in sort of northern climates, um, you may think you're kind of done. I mean, there's definitely winter gardening to be done. But I, I understand here I am in Southern California where, you know, it just keeps wants to keep growing and growing all right. summer. But right. It's pretty easy, but you know, for little kids, you know, radishes, they sprout really quickly and you can have, you know, a radish in your mouth in, you know, maybe a month or something, I think, 30 days. Right. And and do you use, I know the answer to this question, but just for the listeners, do you use the radish greens? Oh, yeah, the radish tops. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The whole, whole grain. I mean, this is another component of this is it just is so nice to feel connected to something that's historically so old. I mean, we started farming as humans, let's say 10,000 years ago Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. we've been doing it ever since. And it really changed civilization so much from a hunter gatherer society to this agrarian farming society. And here we can take, take part of it in it and experience a little taste of, you know, what it must've been like. So uh, grains you can grow, you know. Which have you grown grains? Yeah. Have you grown grains? I've tried. I've, I did. I had a nice, <laughs> had a nice mm-hmm. crop of wheat. I was thought I'll try wheat, and it was actually looking pretty nice. It was doing that thing that they say in the song. So it was like amber waves of grain. Amber, really? <laughs> you mean so like you started, you sat started, there and you saw the waves blowing in the wind? Yeah. So it started. I yes, love that line. <laughs> It started turning, it would start off green, you know, and the wheat shafts and everything was green and it looked really sturdy and nice. Then it started turning a little bit brown, mm-hmm. am, amber color, and mm-hmm. then the wind would blow it and it would. It was like, wow, I'm really having amber waves of grain. I love that. But to that. be honest, the day I was like, okay, I'm going to go harvest this like tomorrow. And I think some maybe squirrels came and like devastated my wheat um, like that <laughs> night or something. It was very disappointing. Oh, too bad. Too bad. I know it happens, but I've tried quinoa. I've tried amaranth. So did the quinoa grow? Yeah, it all grows. Yeah, yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, this is a side note, but have you ever thought about wild foraging? Have you ever done it? I've never done it. Oh, no, would you I would do it? 
I would absolutely do it with somebody who's really knowledgeable. I think I'd be a little bit afraid. Mm -hmm. You know, I see we have, you know, one of the vegetables or greens that I love is also very easy to grow are dandelions. Uh Uh-huh. Yes, definitely. And you can get them in the market and they look so delicious and you can grow them. But I, I think it's the same dandelion weed that I have growing in my backyard. Oh, absolutely it is. 100%. It's the same one in so your backyard. I could, so I could just go ahead and just nibble on those? I, absolutely. I've never tried if you know for okay, sure. Gonna, it's, thank you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it. And you know it. that, uh, I don't know, I know that your cats don't go outside and you don't have a dog, so no one's peeing on it. And, <laughs> no. you know, you uh, you definitely can eat the wild dandelion. I, I I have a lot of wild foraging books. And as long as you know that that's what it is, you know, it's... Yeah, and how does it compare in slate? I'll have to try it. But I mean, how does it compare with the stuff that I might buy at the market or the stuff that I might well, go to the feed pack? Well, the stuff at the market is uh, really watered down. And yeah. uh, the dandelion that grows naturally is extremely bitter. So oh, is, it, yeah, it's well, bitter, it's like, you know, and that's the bitter taste that I happen to love about dandelion greens. And I know, like, um, at some vegan places they serve dandelion greens and a lot of people put stuff all over them because they don't like the bitterness but the the real thing in it that's bitter is is out there in the wild dandelion for sure yeah i'm yeah. gonna i'm gonna you know what i'm gonna try that thank you that's oh good, good yeah put it in your miso just, soup again, yeah. <laughs> yeah just you know just showing once again that this is all just a learning process it's all a learning process right it's great right and, you try things you learn you try something else this works and learning even about your own backyard so it's like i know that I up those raised beds that we talked about that are up high on the slope. I've tried zucchini uh, many times with no success at all. Now I tried them down lower and they get more sun and I've had great success with zucchinis this year. Right. Oh, right. So that's a good point. You get to really just know where you're at. And even, even with apartment growing uh, with in pots on, on um, you can actually learn about uh, the weather and, and, Everything just even on your patio to see when the sun comes oh, yeah. up, how high it is, and tell the time Microclim- by the sun. Right, right. Oh, yeah, microclimate herbs are easy to do on a porch. You can do, you know, carrots and other root vegetables. Carrots, unlike radishes, take a little longer. Right. So it's just more, pa- it's just more patience. And you, so, the greens will get to a certain point, and they'll stop growing taller. They'll just sort of stop, and you think, oh, good, my carrot's ready. But that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? How do you determine when a carrot's ready? Well, you can poke around, you know, I'm not an expert, but you can poke around where you think the carrot should be, you know, mm-hmm. just at the root line, at the soil line where mm-hmm. the soil meets the green. Mm-hmm. And if you start seeing something that, oh, wait, this looks like a carrot. Sometimes they talk about carrots like to sort of push up a little bit out of the soil when they're ready. Right. But right. I just kind of poke around a little bit, but you can't poke around too much because if they're not ready. Right. Then you pull up <laughs> a toothpick and you're like, oh, here's my carrot. They're still good that it's way, though, but then you feel like you wasted the... The energy yeah. to grow it, not letting it get bigger. But so yeah. patience, like when we talk about patience, kindness, fun, and also incorporating cooking into the gardening process. Um, when we were talking this morning about kindness, I, I think, tell me a little bit about kind pest control. Oh, um, well, I have, I mean, again, I've struggled over the years with trying to figure that out, but I have some devices now that I found online that are quite good. It's a high frequency pitch and it also emits a flashing light mm-hmm. and, and they're pretty good and they're solar powered. So I just put them in, uh, in the raised beds pointing towards my new little seedlings. Uh-huh. And they said, I've actually had, had good success keeping critters away. Now it still isn't going to keep worms away. So you have to do your daily picking you know, in the same way that we talked about patients waiting for the plants to grow, it requires a fair amount of responsibility. And that's mm-hmm. another great kind oh, of responsibility. Life right. Yeah. You got to water every day and you got to pick, pick, you know, certain plants will get worms and you need to sort of pick those off. So it requires a fair amount of diligence. Um, and that's another great life lesson. Right. You know, long-term, responsibility. Long-term goals versus short-term goals. Like I want, I want my carrot now, but you're not going to get it now. You need to wait and we need to water every day. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. oh, look, let's pick, you know, pick these off. Right. So, so there's a lot of chores that, that are involved oh, yeah. in gardening. Even the harvesting part is, can be laborious sometimes. Um, yeah, it depends. Obviously it depends on, on how much you're harvesting by I, that's So there's such a great immediate reward. So that doesn't bother me so much. It's like I'm picking beans, you know, off the bushes and I'm like, no, this is totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, so 
um, earlier I asked you, can you actually survive just on your garden, just you, with the food you grow? I mean, I know oh, you, I know you, you eat would, a lot of grains. You're vegan, right? And, and so yeah. you eat a lot of grains, um, but can you survive? Yeah, I, I would, I'd be hard-pressed. I mean, calorie foods are something that I've thought about a lot. Grains, sweet mm-hmm. potatoes. Mm-hmm. Um, squash. Any kind of, um, yeah, squash definitely has some calories. I, I don't think I could survive happily right currently right now. And it's also kind of seasonal. So like when it's bean season, here come all the beans. You can extend the bean season, but here they come. And that's when you realize you've got to let some dry on the vine and store them and then boil them later, which is what I've done, which has been fun. That's interesting. I because think if I, if I worked harder at this, I probably could grow enough food to survive on. Currently, I eat something from the garden every day. So do you <clears throat> do you go out and look at your garden and think, what should I have today? Or do you, I know you probably do it with the greens, right? Like what yeah, you- I have a pretty good idea, like what's, you know, c- getting ripe. It's been a good season for cucumbers, but I mm-hmm. didn't do as well with beans. So it's like, oh, yeah, I better be having a cucumber or two every day. <laughs> <laughs> right, um, right. Right, because now it's cucumber season. Here they come. Right, or you so, can pickle them. You can always pickle them. Yeah, you know what? I tried growing pickling cucumbers, a special kind that have thicker skin. Right. And I tried that last year, thinking, oh, I'll get a bunch of cucumbers. I didn't have that much success with them. Were they so bitter? This year I had two or three different kinds. Mm? Were they bitter? No, no. They, I just didn't grow that many. Oh, that's interesting. Well, yeah, I just didn't. I didn't have. I didn't have a big a big crop of the pickling kind for whatever reason. But the other ones, the Japanese cucumbers and the other, you know, English cucumbers, I've had great success with. So. You know, I've been you know, thinking every- a lot lately about minerals versus calories, and I was watching this uh, movie about uh, these people in Appalachia uh, yesterday, and how the the kid was just, it was a diary, like his living diary, and he was talking about how he, that for months and months and months, all they ate were green beans, because they grew these green beans, and they, they were really prolific, and he, they were saying that all they had was green beans and potatoes, green beans and potatoes, <laughs> and I was thinking, <clears throat> I don't know, because if you actually start measuring calories, it's pretty hard to get 1,200 or even 1,500 calories from all vegetables. And um, But I was thinking about... Oh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't, I mean, I'd have to look it up, but I don't know how many calories are there in a potato. Well, in a potato, I think there's about 120 calories. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. maybe you would need a lot. Then. I'm kind of yeah. guess. I'm kind of guessing, but I know a cup of rice is like 225 or 250 but yeah. Um, well, yeah. I mean, when we, when we started with this agrarian revolution and when we started farming, I think the first things that they did begin farming, at least in the near East was grain, you know, the wheat harvest and the right and the barley harvest. Right. Because right. they're so, and, and back then they had very few, they had very few calories because they had to adapt them and evolve, you know, selectively breed them. So now, you know, a piece of, you know, corn looks very different today than it did back then. And that's oh, another right. interesting history lesson. It's just, we've changed yeah. them so much. Well, um, you could have a whole history lesson on um, seeds and what, what oh, different yeah. crops used to look like. I mean, that, you know, in, in homeschooling, they just call it unit studies. You could do a unit study that would cover math, history, science, geography, everything with the gardening. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah, it's a great way to supplement. And then yet it's also so natural and so lovely. That yep. it, you know, it's, sometimes it's hard to it's hard to associate like you know what they somebody did ten thousand years ago with you know how is it relevant to me now? But right. When you start gardening, right. it's like wow, this is really relevant. Uh, corn, you could do that's more calorie. Yeah, um, you you could living on beans and potatoes. Well, I mean, he he said he did right. I, you know. Well, he wasn't happy. He was a teenage boy, and he he was telling the yeah. story as an adult. But it was really interesting watching them string up the beans, and every night that's what they ate. <laughs> Yeah, when it's beans, I guess that's what you eat, yeah. yeah there right. was a time when everybody, and imagine, it wasn't that long ago, when everybody in your neighborhood, everybody in your village, everybody in your town ate the same things basically the same way at the same time. Right, right. Like in and the so 1850s, everybody right? was kind of running on the same fuel. And so I think... People were able to communicate better. 
That's with each other because they kind of came from the same place. They sort of energetically were in the same in the same spot. Because they're eating now, the same things. Yeah, they're eating the same food, you know, in the same way, basically, probably cooked in similar ways with the same flavorings. Now, this one, you know, had this lunch and this one had a different lunch and this one didn't eat lunch at all. And, you know, all that, I think, affects your mood and your, and your um, kind of orientation. Right. I, I agree with you. I, uh, it's definitely true. And so are you saying um, another reason to grow a garden is to get everyone on the same page? Because I think kids would be really excited, really excited about eating what's in the garden that they grew. And especially yeah, if they've never had that experience. I'm going to say dot, dot, dot right here to take a short break to give you a message from one of our sponsors. Command of the language is more important than ever, beyond the SAT. People judge you by your speech and word choice. English from the Roots Up, Volumes 1 and 2, and the corresponding flashcards are the ideal tools for developing a broad vocabulary enjoyably. Learning the Greek and Latin word roots used in English allows you to figure out new words successfully and remember meanings of familiar ones. Visit Literacy Unlimited at www.englishrootsup.com for complete information. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, that's kind of an isolated experience, and I don't know that we want to go back to a time when you could only eat what you could grow in your village. Right. I think we'd find it to be very limiting and probably kind of disappointing as this kid was, you know, beans and potatoes. That was it for however long. I don't think we would like that, but, but it also provides a way of unity. everybody being kind of together. Yeah. Unity. Exactly. Right. That's the right. right and, and, you know, I think a lot about um, maybe food wouldn't be thought of as fun as much as it would be fuel instead of we, I mean, I know I definitely think food is fun <laughs> and it's, I wish I wasn't like that. I wish I could just sit down to fuel, you know, and think of it as fuel and maybe have it be fun once a week or once every two weeks. But I think. Or, fi- or find your fun elsewhere. Yeah. Find I, your fun elsewhere. Point. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Do you think I, food's very... fun? Do you think it's fun? I love it. I mean, I find it absolutely extraordinarily fun. Yeah. Uh, You know, still, you know, trying new things, exploring, you know, new seeds, new types. And like I say, you know, even this is even not even a food plant, but, you know, I'm really excited about my cotton. Right, right. And who knows? I mean, I'm just like I say, it's just a little test. It's just a few little little cotton seedlings that I'm looking at now. But, um, you know, who knows? Maybe, Maybe I try twice as much next time, or maybe I learn how to do it better. And then all of a sudden... I get a spinning wheel. Yeah, know, and right, exactly. All of a sudden I'm spinning my own cotton, making something. I don't know. Well, I, I remember one time I grew chickpeas, and I was so blown away at how many I got. I couldn't oh, believe great. it. Yeah. Did you ever try chickpeas? Yeah. Uh, yes, I and have. But, you know, there's two different kinds of beans. It seems like there's some that kind of keep coming, mm-hmm. like they'll keep growing, and then there's some that kind of all um, mature at the same time. You mean the plant itself or the the um, flower, like the plant? Like the plant. like they all sort of like okay now now you know, I'm they done. All blossom at the same time. They all and then then you got to harvest all your chickpeas at the same time. Right, right. Well, I just did mine in pots around my pool, and I I just did it for fun, and I actually just took chickpeas from my cupboard, soaked them, and planted them, and it they were so prolific I couldn't believe it. It's because I my neighbor. Yeah who wasn't into gardening at all, she stuck a bunch of lima beans in a pot and she got pounds and pounds of lima beans that summer. It was crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, and you know, that's another interesting, interesting thing. I think this is kind of on the same category. Again, for somebody who's maybe not so patient, maybe young kids, sprouting oh, is really sprouting. easy to do. You don't need a, even a porch. You can just do it anywhere in your house. And it's a really great way to get, again, vit- you know, good vitamins, good nutrients, nutrients and okay. also um it's fat, like three days and you can have like a mountain of sprout and you okay let i know you told me a couple months ago about this website with the sprouting kit but then i wrote it on a piece of paper i forgot can you tell the listeners about that website that you use i can't remember oh either, you can't remember okay well i'll research it and post it on the website for the podcast yeah but, because wow that is you just need a couple of mason jars and a couple of lids and some sprouts and wow that's easy Oh, yes. And they can use that for 
um, vegetables on sandwiches. They can do whatever they want with it. And that's oh, absolutely, yeah. really yeah. the beginning. So sprouting is a good way to start. And then if they're yeah. going to start a simple garden where they want to start out with getting, you know, because for some people who've never gardened, getting a reward in 30 days might seem like a long time. We know 30 days is, is a great time. Same thing with, I, I grow a lot of greens in pots and uh-huh. They, I know that you can just throw them in the dirt and tons of seeds, and you can have collard greens really quickly. And so, yeah, and then uh, you can. There's something called cut and come again. So what you can do, you can either just pull up the whole plant if you want, but if you just clip the outside leaves, like for that day, they'll just keep coming. They'll just keep coming. You know, right. you know, the new one, new ones will grow in their in their way. And uh, it's a way of keeping the harvest much longer, which is a great thing to do. I love that concept, cut and come again, because I, I actually did that when um, I first started gardening. I first started gardening when my son was really little, and I had a friend who kind of taught me about gardening. And this is embarrassing, but I'm going to say it anyway. I was 28 when I had my son, and I, I didn't start gardening until I was 30. And my friend, he was really into gardening and he would come over and give me seeds, tell me what to do. I'm telling you that I did not know a carrot grew down when I was 30. Can you believe that? I never thought I, about you know, it. it doesn't, yeah, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me, but it's downward energy. And right. it's also, you know, it, yeah, it's a root. You know, we say a lot of times in many different um, circumstances, you know, root to rise. Right? What, what do you mean so by that? What, that's what they're talking about. They're talking about if you have this good, strong downward energy from like the root vegetables that you might eat or to emulate, you know, that kind of strengthening, mm-hmm. then you can rise. Then you can, you know, be creative and be excited and, and move forward. But if you don't have that kind of grounding um, in your life, then everything is too scattered. So imagine this project, you can't finish it and you go here and then you go there and then you start this book and you can't finish that book and you just are all over the place. Right, right, right. And so root vegetables give you that grounding. I mean, I should tell the listeners that Danny is a macrobiotic counselor. So uh, you have a lot of uh, things about vegetables that, you know, segue into personal human philosophy kind of, right? I mean, how would you yeah, say it? How yeah. Would you- yeah. No, I think you said that great. I mean, this is really, when I, when I started gardening, I was already pretty well versed in macrobiotics, but to see it happen in your backyard is, um, exciting. you know, it just confirms what you already know, but it's also very exciting and very educational. Well, you know, I, that's interesting because saying that roots are ground, ground, you know, grounding. And when you think about the fact that, that, Carrots were the vegetable you mentioned when we talked about patience. So patience and, and having the mindfulness and patience to wait for things to grow would also segue into not being all over the place. That's kind of interesting yeah. that those two things are together. And Absolutely. I love that. I love that. So so what does what does a Brussels sprout do that grows up? And it's yang because it's tiny, but it grows up. Right, so Brussels sprouts, yeah, they grow on a big stem, and they also require a fair amount of patience um, because um, because they take a little while to grow. But um, I tried Brussels sprouts last winter. I'm going to try them again. How did they um, How did they turn out? I didn't have. I had no success at all. Oh, interesting. And it was very yeah. They didn't even. They sprouted, and then they just kind of didn't work. And then, and this is also kind of a, an interesting segue into um, pest control. Mm-hmm. I went through that after they were done and I kind of, you know, got rid of them. I dug out the raised bed, the little planter that they were in. And I discovered at the bottom of that planter towards the bottom third, there were a ton of these grubs. Oh. So a grub is a little wormy kind Leech, of sort thing. of. Yeah. Yeah. What they do is they eat roots. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what happened to my Brussels sprouts is I think these grubs were eating the roots. So they ate so, some of the minerals, so sort of depleted it? Yeah, they ate the roots, and then without the root, again, you can't rise. So right. my Brussels sprouts didn't, um, weren't able to really prosper. So I got, um, of course, there's, you know, there's pesticides and all kinds of strong things you can get for grubs, but there's also something called beneficial nematodes. And what and is nematodes, that? <laughs> yeah, so nematodes are a kind of worm, 
And the particular kind of nematode that you use for gardening is a beneficial one. They're microscopic. They're abs- you can absolutely not see them. You get them in a little box. They're kind of infused on this little piece of paper. And you can't see them? No, sorry, not in the piece of paper. They're infused in this little, um, imagine like a cup full of some kind of soil or some kind of planting mix. And they're just in there. You soak it for like an hour or two in a big five-gallon bucket, and that releases and excites and wakes up these nematodes. And then you pour that into the soil, and those nematodes go to work, killing the old, um, killing the grubs. That's or killing incredible. killing the grub larva. Wow. Whatever they do. Wow. Yeah, it's really fascinating. So this is also a very, very complicated bio, um, you know, a biological system that you've got going in your soil. And there's the science the in, in having oh, a garden. Totally. <laughs> there's so much yeah, science yeah. with a garden, right? It's For like, yeah, for an older student, you know, somebody kind of high school maybe age or maybe middle school or high school, there's a book called Teeming with Microbes. Mm-hmm. And that talks about all the very complicated microbial uh, populations that are in soil and how valuable they are. I'm just writing this down so I can post it on the website. That's great. Yeah, it's a good one. How did yeah, you find out really about beneficial nematodes? Um, I think Do you read gardening books? It might have been in that book, but yeah, it might have been in that book, but also looking online, you know, YouTube of course is a great source for um all all things, all things gardening. Right, right. And you can learn a lot about, you know, if you just was were to search, you know, getting rid of grubs, uh beneficial nematodes pop up. Um there probably are some that are just living in the soil anyways, but if you're having a problem with grubs, then something is out of balance. And so supplementing with these nematodes really helped me. Oh, that's great. That's great. And I, I'm just wondering when you uh, talk about raised beds in your garden, are the plants growing directly in the earth or do you have something underneath them? Um, I don't have anything underneath them. So if they if the root system is deep enough to go sort of deeper than the raised bed allows, they are going straight into my soil, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is fine, which is totally fine. You can double dig. You can dig it nice and deep underneath so that they can, they can get to, uh, if they need to, they can you know, reach into that soil. It's not hard. Some people don't. You can absolutely do a raised bed, and I have many of them that do have a, a, a sort of a bottom to them, and, this, and the roots of the plants can't go past that. You can do it on cement. You can do it on bricks. You said you did it around the pool in in pots. Well, yeah, I've done it many ways. Like I had the chickpeas were growing in big barrel like pots, and yeah, then yeah, yeah, any of that stuff works. That Absolutely. year, um, we made we took which was not successful. That's why I was asking because that year we took these cinder blocks and then we plywood bottoms and made raised beds really high on cinder blocks because of the place we were living. And mm-hmm. that wasn't so great because I didn't want to put plastic underneath it, so I just put dirt and plywood. But I lost a lot of dirt that way, and um, so oh, when, it wasn't it wasn't sealed up; it kind of seeped out through the sides. And correct, stuff. because I there was nothing oh, okay. I could find that was natural. But when you're saying raised beds, though, you're really talking about the dirt is in the earth, and you've got wooden sides around it, right? You're not really talking about something like a box that's raised up. It is a box, but it doesn't have a bottom. Right. Okay. It doesn't have a bottom. So right. it's sitting right on the so it's sitting right on the soil. Right. Right. And have you ever experimented with square foot gardening? Yes. I mean, I think it's a great idea. I again, I'm not as focused on maximizing every single square foot. Right. Right. Because you know, again, it's just me, and I, I don't want to. Yeah. I, I I feel like. Yeah, I don't. I said I'm not doing it commercially. I'm not trying to feed a bunch of people. I've got plenty of room. Right, so I can spread right. things out a bit. Right. Yeah. I just wonder because it just um, it's a, it would be an interesting thing for the readers to look up um, square foot gardening. Oh yeah, there's so many different ways to do this. Again, it it really depends. You know, every every garden situation is going to be different because depending upon where you live and who you're trying to feed and what you even like. I mean, we've talked about growing carrots. And radishes, but what if you don't like carrots and radishes? Right, exactly. And I, I actually right. think though some kids might grow a carrot and um, actually like it after he grew the carrot. Because I, when my son was growing up, his one of his best friends always told me he hated cooked carrots, and that kid ended up being a landscape a landscape architect 
major. And one time he built me this garden and I grew a bunch of carrots in it and he actually tried the carrots and he liked them. And he was 20 years old when he did that. And, and his whole life, he always told me he hated carrots, but I think he was kind of fascinated by the fact that they grew in in the garden that he helped build. <laughs> so. Yeah, for sure. And there's also, you know, there's no comparison when you, I mean, again, we're, we're very lucky here in California, but for many people, when you go to the market and you buy a carrot or an apple or whatever it is, it's come maybe hundreds, maybe thousands of miles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's picked, it's picked early so that it stays ripe by the time it gets to the market. And because it's picked early, it loses a lot of like vitality and flavor. Right. There is nothing like picking something out of your backyard and going and eating it. Right. This year, one thing I tried that I had never tried before was cantaloupe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I've had plenty of cantaloupe in my life. There was, but I never had a homegrown one. There was, there was no comparison. How was it, it different? Was like- so, it, the cantaloupe flavor was more intense. The sweetness was more intense, and it was just so delicious. I'm going to say dot, dot, dot right here to take a short break to give you a message from one of our sponsors. Basket weaving is a universal, essential element in mankind's history. This craft is very popular today, and for homeschoolers, it provides a central topic for a unit study. While learning the art of weaving, a child can study the materials used in different areas of the world, as well as the history and culture of indigenous peoples worldwide. Let Royal Wood Limited in Ohio be your supplier for all materials and instruction in this ancient and useful skill. Visit www.royalwoodltd.com for complete information. So it's like, wow, this is the greatest cantaloupe I've ever had in my life. And was it t- more small and yang and compact, or was it like swollen and big? Um, it was kind of both. I mean, it was kind of nice. It was, it was really manageable. It was like the right size. It wasn't like overly huge, but it was certainly right. It smelled amazing. It mm-hmm. had that great cantaloupe smell. Oh, I love that. That smell. was really lovely. Yeah. So, anyways, I, you know, I haven't really focused that much on melons because they take a lot of water and because they take a lot of time. And I was just kind of focused on other things. But because of this um, pandemic, uh, the seed companies were really behind. Oh. So the seed companies that I was, you know, going to the regular seed stores, they were out, solid out. And then I ordered stuff online from some of the seed companies that I, you know, genuinely like, and they were way behind, way back ordered. They'd send me a little bit. They sent me something else. They sent me what they could. And so they sent me cantaloupe. It's like, all right, I guess I'm trying cantaloupe. <laughs> that's interesting. Oh, yeah, so that's yeah, a but good. It turned out to be a great, it turned out to be a great thing because it was so delicious. So another thing a garden can do for families besides teach patience, kindness, responsibility, science, history, math, is um, to be more open-minded and, and can broaden your palate, right? And, yes, yes. And, uh, if you've never tried carrots, try a carrot. Right. <laughs> if you've never had radish greens or carrot tops or something, yeah, you get definitely get to experiment, explore things, and a lot of self-compassion too. How? You know, Tell- to understand that you're not going to be perfect at this, that you're going to have problems, it's okay. Mm-hmm. No reflection on you. You right. kind of keep keep struggling. Get you know, get better. Learn, mm-hmm. and not just to beat yourself up over like, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. Right, and that that kind of makes me think of because every time you say something like that, I think of almost like a vegetable metaphor. Because the other thing I learned through garden gardening is that vegetables don't have to look perfect, and and actually, when they look bad, they might even be better. What we consider bad, and then. That's the whole lesson conceptualization, you know, because exactly a lot yeah. of times we have some image on our I- image in our head about right. what you know what a carrot should look like or a radish or something, right? Exactly. But that's only again that's just because of marketing and because you know farmers or whatever the the, the supermarkets or whoever buys these things you know want them to look a certain way. Well, you know, I was reading this thing in my garden book about about those little baby carrots that they sell mm-hmm. in packages, the little tiny ones, which I hate those because <laughs> I've ne- like, even if I'm traveling or whatever and I'm starving and I grab, I grab one of those one time, maybe a couple times I've done it, but you open it up and it smells like ammonia and it has a horrible smell. Well, well I was, because aren't they packed, they're packed in plastic, right? Oh, they're packed in plastic, but you know, I never actually put much brain power into it, but 
I never really thought about where they came from, but I was reading this thing in my book the other day about how they, those, uh, there was so much waste with carrots in with carrot farmers, you know, 25 years ago, whenever they invented them, that they, this one guy came up with the idea to make them look, to take the carrots that looked bad and that were growing sideways and maybe had two legs or whatever, and they're hairy like carrots are, and to just put them through this machine to get the center of the carrot. And that's where they come from. They come from the carrots that don't look perfect, which I kind of like that idea in a way, only I would probably take the waste from that carrot carrot and still eat it. But um, the fact that they put them in plastic and ammonia and all these chemicals makes it worse. But yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's not, that's not going to work. And, um, yeah, for sure. Well, that was how they were born, though. I just thought that was kind of interesting. And That's totally interesting. No, I did not know that. That's yeah. actually totally interesting. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. don't know if I actually thought they grew that way, which, like, you know, maybe they grow in a little carrot bush. I don't know. <laughs> but Well, there are, when you, again, when you look at the, the carrot seed options, you have tons of choices. There are right. a lot of different carrots out there. Right. Big ones, little ones, short ones, fat ones, round ones, different colors. And, oh, yeah, so. Well, you know, uh, I, well, I was just going to say that carrots, like, I read a lot about wild foraging and and the one thing about that I think is interesting about carrots and I don't know why is it's really re, it's related to the poisonous hemlock plant and the flower from it looks a lot like hemlock which is really interesting. Oh, interesting. There's a lot of poison plants out there that look like the carrot and they actually have a root that looks like the carrot. So um, oh, interesting. we, we have to be careful for wild foraging but um Yeah, that's why when you said wild foraging I'm like, yeah, it have to be with somebody that really knew what they were what they were doing, but um, that it scares me a little bit only because I haven't done it. But again, like anything, you know, you just get knowledgeable and then you get confident and then you well, get successful. Right. And there's a couple guys in LA that do it. And a long time ago, we went wild foraging for a homeschool event and we went with this lady who was really knowledgeable. And we yeah. went in Griffith Park and around up oh. and down the hikes, same Sierra Club hikes that we were going on. And she, by the end of the whole thing, she made this gigantic salad. And we even made our own dressing with all wow. these wild plants. And it was amazing. And I think about oh. that a lot when I think about being self-sustaining in case of a disaster or something like that. Plus, I'm very interested in how um, how much more nutrition wild plants have compared to yeah. uh, the ones that yeah. were Well, grown. they've been, yeah, but, exactly. So... Okay, so I'm thinking, like, if I was going to tell a family what to start with in a garden, I probably would say lettuce, radish, carrot. What else would you say? Would you say, I know you don't really eat or grow tomatoes, do you? No, I don't. I don't. But tomatoes are easy. Again, depends on where you're living. I mean, there's the, 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 big, the real, the sort of cheating answer is it depends. Right, right. So it depends on the season. It depends on the season. It depends on where you are. Beans are good for the summer. Peas are really good for the winter. We're getting into winter, and peas are pretty easy. And they also make pretty flowers, so that's kind of nice. Right, and what's um, another, a couple more easy things to grow? Some of the herbs are easy, but yeah, lettuce. Um, are we talking about for summer or winter? Let's like going just say into now fall? going into fall, no matter uh, yeah, where cool. you, you are, like really. green. Yeah, so kale, collard greens, lettuce is good. How do you um, feel about cabbage? That- Cabbage takes a little time. Right. Cabbage takes room too. It takes a little cabbage, and then those little worms get in there. Cabbage can be a little bit challenging. So I would ca- say that's. And cabbage could give you, you know, the lesson that a lot of hard work and maybe you're not going to get that much reward. So, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know, because I've done cabbages a few times and I've done cauliflower a few times. And, yeah. and I, I always feel like. Oh gosh, I I could just go to Whole Foods and buy these, or the co-op and buy these things. Yeah, you know. You know what? Speaking of broccoli, a really good winter one that's coming up is broccolini or I broccoli rob, mm-hmm. and those mm-hmm. are very easy. Those are much easier than broccoli. They oh. grow faster. They don't. They're not as leafy. You can still eat the leaves, but they just like pop up those little flowers. Are they cut? Are they cut they are. and come again? Or uh, yes, actually. Well, no, not technically, but they want to grow a stem. Mm-hmm. And then from those stems come out the little the little florets. So you just keep clipping those. So it's not like you harvest. It's not like a one time harvest. I guess I don't know that it comes again, but you can you can keep clipping. 
Well, when you say cut and come again, I used to do that with collard greens all the time to the point that yeah. the stem would get to be four feet tall. But they just that's get... what I have. My that's my kale is like that. Yeah. And so, how long will you go? Can you just keep going and going? I don't know. I mean, at some point, it's rough. They do. Yeah, it beca- and it becomes a little bit too maybe young. I mean, if you want the mm-hmm. if the ideas, your leafy greens should be fresh and new and exciting and vibrant. And you have like a four year old plant. It's, you know, keeps knocking them out. I guess it would depend on the person. Right, right. That's interesting. And um, okay, so basically you suggest people get seeds online. That's the best place to get seeds, like not at your local garden store? Well, it depends on if you're, if you are um, concerned about going out, you know, if people are staying in. Right, right. Then we're ordering more stuff online. The nice thing about the garden store is that they'll be knowledgeable and probably need some soil supplements and some potting soil and some other goodies anyway. So as long as you're going. And how do um, people, how do people figure out if their soil's good for gardening? What should they do? um, Test it. You know, just plant something, try it and see. Oh, plant it and just try and see. But what about um, any sort of alkaline testing kit that you should get or, or do you, Uh, you just tell by the, you have a feel for it because you're kind of connected to the earth. Well, I also use, you know, I mean, I, I use organic compost. Yeah, I'm always compo- composting all my uh, kitchen scraps. Mm-hmm. So when I am starting a fresh new garden, I'm always folding in some of my, you know, homemade compost. Right, right. But you can also buy lovely compost at the, you know, at the grocery, and not at the uh, nursery. At the garden store, right, right. The garden store or the nursery, whatever, and they've got compost, and then you probably want some maybe some kind of vitamin or some kind of, you know, supplement, you know, something like that to put in a multivitamin. And just kind of see how it goes, right? And just, yeah, just, I mean, it's really just going to be an experiment. Everybody's backyard is different. Everybody's porch is different. So, you know, you start learning, you know, what what's going to work and what isn't. There's no single answer, unfortunately. Right. So that's the other thing about um, gardening for people at home and I, I don't even want to say homeschooling, just people who were at home because of the pandemic and they're just, they just want something to do. And it's just a great way to be creative and experiment. And, and you can, yeah. re- I think you could express yourself with gardening a lot. You know? Oh, absolutely. And you're outside yep. and um, you know, you're getting some fresh air and doing some exercise. And you're not just sitting down. No, I, there's, <laughs> there are many, many really, really great, benefits from growing a little bit of garden in your, in and, your and you can and share with your neighbors vegetables yeah share with your neighbors i gave my i had some new neighbors and i gave them um a vegetable that they didn't expect they would get from my backyard <laughs> what was it well they're from east india so um they're from the south part of india mm-hmm. and i'm growing bottle gourd and bottle gourd is a really traditional indian gourd and uh, so I gave them one. They were like, oh, my God, they were so surprised. Oh, that's that's really nice. But I like them, and, you know, I think they're delicious, and it's a nice gourd to grow. And What color I, is I it? Do, it's green. It's it's The closest is like a zucchini, but it's not really. Oh. But they're really nice. Yeah, oh, bottle gourd, bitter melon. There's something called bitter melon that I've grown. Yeah, I try and, you know, mix it up every year, try something new, and keep it fresh and keep it fun. Right, right. And so the last thing I want to ask you about, which was on my list that you just briefly mentioned, is composting. Uh, can you know, I have one of those kitchen composters that sits on the counter. And at other times, I've the, the best composting way that I've ever done it, like the most successful one that I remember. I have like relationships with certain plants that I've grown. Like I remember them for 20 years and I yeah, have relationships with compost piles too. <laughs> like I remember this one compost pile that I had that was only chicken wire pushed in a circle with some um, wooden poles. And I would just take everything out there and put layer it with dirt. And every night I would put the scraps out there and I had the most amazing compost from that because it was so aerated and it was in the hot sun and it was just perfect. And so, So yeah, so that's, that's great. There, there's, you know, this all depends upon how much room you have and you know, how much commitment you have, but there's sort of two kinds of composting. There's the kind of hot composting that you're talking about where it would get steamy, right? Steamy, almost boiling. It was amazing. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then there's kind of 
cold composting or, or worm composting. So for that, anybody can do it. You can get like a little worm box, look online, mm-hmm. and you can get some red worms and just keep feeding them uh, your kitchen scraps. And they will produce for you something called worm castings, mm-hmm. which are really, really great uh, compost uh, to supplement your garden with. So, and that doesn't take much room and it's not smelly and it, and it doesn't require heat. It's just um, something that you can easily look up and, and learn how to do. Okay. And so when people are in their kitchen, like say they have salad left over with dressing on it, can they use that or can they throw all food in there? Oh, you're not supposed to do fats. And you're certainly okay. not supposed to do meat. Yeah. Um, but um, so they- I don't because I haven't, I guess I'll, I'll eat anything that has like salad or anything that's that like that I've probably already eaten. Right, right. So you basically so just do kitchen scraps, scraps kitchen before, scraps. Yeah, before, yeah, before I cook it. Okay. It's the stuff that I typically get put in. Okay, and the last... Or something goes bad, you know, like, ooh, that, that apple got weird. You know, that goes in the compost. Oh, so that goes in the compost. Okay, that's interesting. Um, and yeah. so the last thing I want you to tell the listeners is what you do with carrot tops, because I want to know what you do with them. <laughs> so <laughs> carrot tops from the market... I don't do much with because mm-hmm. I just find them, they don't have a lot of vitality and they're not interesting to me. Carrot tops from my garden, I do a lot with. What do you do? Um, it's a strong flavor, so mm-hmm. I don't use it a lot. But if I'm doing something, let's say I'm making a salad dressing, or let's say I'm making some kind of steamed or bland, no, st- yeah, steamed greens or even some stir fry, I'll cut them up small because, again, I find them to be a little strong, but I'll cut them up um, into little tiny, you know, little little sliver, little pieces, and they just get mixed in with everything else. And then I don't notice the flavor quite so much, but I know I'm getting all those good greens. Oh, one time I, that sounds delicious. And what do you do? Well, I've, I've done a lot of different things. I use them in soups and I, uh, I've made a really delicious uh, white miso paste with them that um, Mm -hmm. can be used as sort of like a roux for, for flavor. So like if you make a, miso paste and chopped up carrot tops and then it's feel like it's a roux and you would do the same thing you would do with a roux that was oil and flour so if you have soup that you want to flavor or anything like that I I make like a little roux ball out of it and then I've made them with just white miso and and then Mm -hmm. maybe a carrot or two because the sweet with the carrot combined with the bitter and the sweetness of the white miso is really good so yeah yeah. I'm always done more than I you've done more than I have (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I, I, I but just. You've done, you've done a lot more cooking than I have, to be honest. Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe. Well, I don't know. <laughs> but, um, all right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I, this has been mm, my pleasure. really great. And then um, you people can find your information on the website. And it's been delightful talking with you. And hopefully, we'll get people to do more gardening. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was great fun. Okay. Thank you. Have a good day. Okay, bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you for being part of our show today. The Go Home Podcast is a production of California Incline, LLC. Our producer is Lennon Leppert. To find out more information about today's podcast and going home, please visit our website at gohomebook.com. If there is a topic you would like us to cover, please email me at mary at californiainclinellc.com. Thanks for listening.